You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let me ask you an interesting, very timely question. So how many production managers are there working on Broadway right now? I don't know for sure, but it's a, probably about six or seven. How many women? I have three women, four women working for me right now. How many women that are the heads of their production management company? Oh, uh, I believe that there's a couple of women out there that are not on Broadway, though. Just not, but you're the only on Broadway. I'm the only on Broadway, yes. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. You're listening to the Producers Perspective Podcast with your host, Tony Award winner, Ken Davenport. Hey everybody, Ken Davenport here. We are about to hear from Hillary Blanken, one of the very few production managers on Broadway. There's only a handful of folks doing it. You're going to hear from Hillary and what a production manager actually does uh, and all the secrets of the trade. But before that, uh, I wanted to make sure you knew about the book we released last week. Uh, we released a brand new book coming out March 15th. It's on pre-order right now. It's all about the ins and outs of Broadway investing. It's called Broadway Investing 101. And get this, if you pre-order it right now, you can get it for only $2.99. Two bucks, 99 cents, amazon.com, search for Broadway Investing and grab it before the price goes up on the 15th. I think you'll get a kick out of it and learn a lot of the strategies that I use when I'm deciding whether I'm going to invest in a Broadway show or not. For those of you looking to raise money, there's also lots of tips on that. Broadway Investing, $2.99 only until the 15th. That's at the end of this week. So go check it out. And now on with the podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Ken. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope it's pulling back the curtain on this business of Broadway. If you're looking to learn more about what makes this industry tick, go to my website, kendavenport.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I'll send you one email a week, one article about what I'm seeing, trends, insights, marketing ideas on what's happening on Broadway right now. That's kendavenport.com. Hope to see you there and in your inbox. 
Hello, everybody. It's Ken Davenport here. Welcome back to the Producer's Perspective podcast. I am bringing you another first here on the podcast today. We have our very first production manager to make an appearance, uh, which I thought was very important. You know, Broadway has gotten bigger as we were, we will get into. Uh, so let's talk about the people and talk to the people that make all these big spectacles happen. Please welcome the founder, owner, head honcho of Juniper Street Productions, Hillary Blanken. Welcome, Hillary. Thank you. So Hillary's a little shy. <laughs> Hillary said right before the podcast that she's usually backstage and we're bringing her front and center stage today. Well, if you looked at her IBDB page, she would certainly not look very shy there. Her first credit starts with Suzical back in 2000. Her most recent is Moulin Rouge coming up this summer. There's like a thousand shows in between there, including everything from King Kong. That was a big one. Dear Evan Hansen, Memphis. It goes on and on and on. So let's let's just start with a simple one. What what does a production manager do? What what's your job? Well, my mother has been asking me this for about twenty years. I always say that I am in charge of the physical production of the show. So I get hired by the general manager and I help bring all of the elements of the physical production together into the theater and help the creative team get the show open. That's the short answer. So what's the first thing you do when a producer like me calls you? Like, look, we've worked together on a number of shows, once in this island, getting the band back together, Spring Awakening. Uh, when I call you and say, I have a show, what's the first question that goes through your mind? Well, the first, my first question is, when is it? <laughs> and then where is it? Which theater? And who's the creative team? So before even you get into what it is, it's all about the where is an interesting one. And just tell everyone why that's obviously important to you. Well, I would say half my job is about staying on the budget that the producer gives me. And where the show is has a lot of impact on how much the show costs. So immediately I get in my head what we're up against when we go into a specific theater. So if I say to you the Brooks Atkinson, What's the first thing that comes to mind? I have a show there. <laughs> you do have a show right now, Waitress. Yes, Waitress. The Brooks is a relatively normal, I guess, theater. It's small. It has a very good crew. So those are the things that I that I think about. What's an abnormal theater? Which one of the theaters out there is Circle like a... in the Square? Oh, of course, of course. Anything? Yeah. Anything? Any other theaters jump out? Um, being... Some of the theaters that are hemp houses are um, cost a lot more for us to load in. So those are those are things that we think about. And then, yeah, that's mostly it. And then some of the theaters, whether it's a big theater, a big musical house, or a small musical house, that also has a big impact, like how much space we have to get the show in. And you get obviously your jobs from producers like me, saying I've worked with her many, many times. Uh, who else, how, how much influence That's the basically, oh, the designers, yeah. uh, set designers have asked for me and they, I think typically from what I understand, the general manager will, um, will go with the set designers wishes unless they have a specific reason not to. So yeah, I've gotten a lot of shows from set designers. And when do you get into reading the script or seeing readings to really get a sense of what the physical production entails? Well, I get, I mean, a lot of times the designer has an idea about the show before there's a reading. I'll read the script, but I don't, 
I'm not on the creative end, so I just want to deliver what the designer has. So I really go directly to the set designer and say, what are you thinking? So how did you get into this? I started, well, I production management. I started in theater as a stage manager. And um, I was I came to New York as a production assistant, as most people do, I think. Um, and I ended up through a series of circumstances working at a scenery shop as an assistant to Fred Gallo. So I learned a lot about how to build a show. I was there for like eight years, not as an assistant, but I became a project manager. And when I was, re- I was done working in the shop, I thought, well, what do I want to do? I really loved being in the theater during production. And so I decided to become a production manager. And what did you love about it? Like what is interesting about it for you? I, I love being uh, in the room with the creative team and helping facilitate creating a show. What's the biggest or craziest or most unique thing you've ever had to put together? Like what show of yours have you like, oh, this is going to be nuts? Well, it's kind, that's kind of an unfair question because I did Spider-Man. Right. You did. So that was like when I say, I've said, I've said recently, oh, that's, that's the hardest show I've ever worked on. And then, and then I thought, oh, except for Spider-Man. <laughs> so everything... Spider- everything is very easy compared to Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was hard because it was so big, really. Like, the set was 10 sets. There were a lot of other issues with Spider-Man, but, like, for us, the physical production was very difficult. I mean, it was incredible and beautiful and amazing, and we were really happy to be able to deliver that, but it was really hard. And when you're a production manager, like, what amazes me about you and when I've worked with others as well the creative team will be in the in tech, which is where, frankly, a bulk of this stuff really comes to life. And someone will say, I need a kaleidoscope wheel that blinks red and yellow and also screams out loud and throws tennis balls. Hillary, will you make that happen? Like, do you have to know, like, everything? What's, when you get these crazy requests, what's the first thing you do? With well, I mean, the key to being a good production manager is knowing the people who can help you. Really, that's what it is. Like... Yes, we'll say we're on it, and then we'll call, you know, a prop person or another genius and say, I need you to help me make this. How do we do it? So, I mean, that's the key, is knowing who to call, really. Like, all I do is get the right people to help me do a show. And how many people in our world actually... Are there just a select group of experts that we use all the time? Are there new people coming into the business to to create a show? Yeah. I I think I think Broadway is a really small community and I do think that there's just a few people, the same people that we call and as people come up, you know, graduate from college and get into this business then the community grows a little bit and you know, some people retire and then some people replace them, but yeah, I I I also find that we have our own uh, economy Broadway and sometimes somebody will ask for something that you would say well you know they make that in Silicon Valley but those people are not gonna get paid what we would pay people on Broadway to do so I think that's one of the reasons why it stays a small community 
You talked about budget and one of your primary responsibilities being deliver a budget or deliver a show for the budget that I want you to, or preferably under budget, <laughs> right. which you're very good at. Uh, that's re- how much of your job really is making sure that we come in. Under. Oh, I think, I mean, I think more and more, that's, that's most of our job, more than 50%. And as time goes by, we spend more and more time just working with the numbers than actually being like into the weeds of, of, of technically putting something on. What's the key to keeping a show on budget? I mean, you've worked on hundreds and hundreds of shows, right? How many have how many have not been on budget? That's a really hard question Just because give... I don't like you mean scenery scenery wise. Yeah, what's the key to making sure a producer like me keeps it all? Well, I I think the key is like early on being able to give you a realistic number of what things cost. So when we see the design for the first time. And we do a back of the napkin budget. We say, well, this is, you know, going to be about $2 million. And you say, well, Hillary, I have a million. So then we start getting the creative team prepared to start cutting things. So it's getting getting the show down to the right size for the budget early on. Because once, it's, once we start, it's over. And you talked about having to be a conduit between designers and producers and all these shops. When you're in this position of preparing to go to build and you know something, this isn't, we're not going to be able to pull this off. How do you, how do you communicate that with everybody? You mean mean like, I don't know how to build this. It's not physically possible or. For the budget that. Oh, for the budget. They may want to build it for or that it may not work. Well, I mean, I have two jobs. One is to uh, help the designer get what they want what they design and the other is to keep the show on budget so that it can survive so for the producer and general manager um and i go to both of them immediately like the designer i say look this is way too expensive like we need to start thinking about what what we can do and i and i try to come up with ideas and i always start by saying please don't hate me i'm not a creative person and don't take what I say like as an insult to you, but like, can we cut this? Can we do this? Can we do that? And, and typically they, they take that um, in the right way. And then I'm just trying to jog their, just trying to get them to uh, come up with other ideas to achieve what they want. And knowing that it's not like somebody hates their design or thinks they're, it's a bad design but that it's just not affordable and then i immediately go to the producer and say we need more money (laughs) you've obviously again worked on hundreds of productions what's the most common mistake or misstep that you think designers make when first envisioning that production oh i don't know that's a i don't know that i can answer that question um i i think the designers that I've worked with are really, really smart and really professional, and they don't make like stupid mistakes, really. They actually, you know, spend a lot of time with the director and with the show and like try to find out what the show really needs. And, um, and I'd say almost all of them always want to know how much money there is so that when they're thinking about the show, they don't do some crazy design that they're going to have to just throw away and start over. So I don't, I don't really know. 
That's an interesting point because I find the same thing. The smartest and best designers that I've worked with are the ones that ask me from the get-go, how much money do I have to play with here? What's the biggest mistake that producers like me make when stepping into the... I mean, I think the hardest thing for all of us as the as the years go by is to like think that everything costs the same as it did 10 years ago. That's the hardest thing. Producers constantly say to me, what, how could it possibly cost that? And I say, how much does your coffee cost? Everything costs more money now. And, and I, I forget that too. I call the shop and I say, how could you possibly want to charge this amount of money? And they say, well, this is how much a man costs. This is how much materials we have. This is what it is. So I guess that's, that's the biggest, it's not necessarily a mistake. It's just, Something we fall into. If you could get all of us producers in a room and say, tell us something that we all like, something that none of us seem to comprehend or understand, what would be the one thing you would say to producers so they would make your life and job a little easier? I guess I would say that they probably don't realize this, but every single person working on the show is actually trying to work on the show and make it the best it can be. I think when you're looking at numbers, sometimes, like, how could these people cost so much money? You forget that there are actual people and they're actually doing things for you. (laughs) I think that's the biggest one. You've obviously seen a lot of changes in the technical aspects of theater. Yeah. Like, the the first musical you worked on, we were talking about it earlier, was Shogun, is that right? Yeah, no, the first, well, the first job I had uh, out of college, well, I was still in college, actually, was a production assistant on Les Mis, on the tour of Les Mis. So, and have you worked on subsequent productions of Les Mis or seen that technology now compared to what was there originally? Of Les Mis? No, no. But I, you know, I was a production assistant, so I didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> or what the technology How'd was. How'd you get that job? Uh, I was working as a... Uh, production assistant at a summer stock theater and the production manager there said he was leaving to go be the assistant stage manager on the tour of Les Mis and they were looking for a production assistant and would I be interested and I said sure and I called my mom and I said I'm taking a semester off of school and I'm going to New York that's what I did same thing <laughs> I took a semester off and was a PA on a show yeah what was your was favorite great. do you remember that well what was your favorite part about being a PA oh I loved all of it I just loved, I loved everything I did. I mean, I, you know, one of the highlights was getting tea for Cameron McIntosh. I'd get tea I for Cameron McIntosh right now. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I, I worked for the stage managers. I absolutely loved it. So what's the biggest change that you think has benefited the industry from a technological standpoint that has changed since, since back then? Since then? I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe it's moving lights. I mean, there probably were moving lights then, maybe. I don't even know, actually. Um, the sh- it, the show, shows are much more complicated now. Or, or I could say something like um, routers. Like, the way we build scenery now is so different. It actually, in some ways, costs less because you're using less manpower, but... Now a designer can draw something on their computer and you can send it to a router and all the pieces get cut out. And then it's, you put it, you put the set together like a jigsaw puzzle. And that doesn't work for everything, but it works for some things. So you can see a lot more detail on stage. And I think that's from the, all the work with the computers. 
But at the same time, the whole productions are not getting Much cheaper. Much worse because they're getting more complicated. Right. So it's like a, oh, look, we can do this faster and cheaper. And then the designer says, right. oh, great. Well, then I'm going to make it more detailed right. and complicated. It's just like the Industrial Revolution, right? Right. Exactly. It's exactly that. Any other big technological changes that have affected what we do? How come load-ins aren't shorter? Well, I have to say, the stories that I heard when I started were that load-ins were from 8 to 10 o'clock at night. And you loaded the show in in two weeks, but you worked two weeks straight, really long hours. And that that's four weeks. So it's actually cheaper to work four weeks straight time than two weeks all the time. Are there any other inefficiencies you see in the way we do things right now that you think we should change? Yeah, I don't have I don't I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> All right, let me ask you an interesting, very timely question. So, how many production managers are there working on Broadway right now? I don't know for sure, but it's a, probably about six or seven. How many women? Well, um, I I have. Three women, four women working for me right now. How many women that are the heads of their production management company? Oh, uh, I believe that there's a couple of women out there that are not on Broadway, though. Just not, but you're the only on Broadway. I'm the only on Broadway, yes. And did you find that difficult when you were starting out and starting the company? No, I, I mean, I was very, I was very lucky. Um, everybody I worked with was welcomed me with open arms. I had come from a shop, so I knew a lot of people, which was very helpful. And also very helpful going into a theater because they knew the people that I had work with, worked with uh, who were very well respected. So that was like a an entree, I guess. I was kind of backed up a little bit. And I'm sure there's there have been things said about me, but I never heard them. So that's fine. <laughs> was it challenging? I mean, look, let's face it. The... The world in which you you inhabit, backstage, stagehands, shop, this is a very male-dominated yes. world. In fact, when I was a PA, and when I went backstage at my first Broadway show to, as a stage manager, I was scared out of my mind with all those <laughs> stagehands back there. So was it, was it challenging for you? I know you knew some of them, but is it still challenging? Uh, you know, I just never really think about my sex as being an issue. So it's never been an issue for me. I mean, it's possible that I haven't gotten work because I'm not a man, but I have plenty of work. I don't think, and I think now, you know, now that I have an established career, that wouldn't be an issue anyway. But um, no, and I've heard, in some ways, this community is really accepting. And really, most people just want to deal with a person who knows what they're doing. And it doesn't matter if they're black, white, woman, man, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. We're all together. So, you know, because I have heard about other businesses where women have been, you know, up against people saying, you know, don't worry about that little lady. I'll take care of it. That, that I never had that. Does Juniper Street do work outside of the theater? Not very often at all. And why is that? Because I assume that you could if you wanted to, right? This Your skill yeah. set applies to other things. So yeah, why like, is... and other production managers do like industrials and stuff like that. My problem is, is that I don't pay my people enough to go do an industrial. Like part of the appeal of working on Broadway is you're working on Broadway and you're in the theater 
and you have, you know, audiences and you have an opening night party and all those things. So that other work is, is just as hard or, or maybe harder and we could do it, but it's not as, it's not as rewarding for people who want to work on Broadway. If someone came to you and said, I want to be a production manager someday, what would you tell them are the skills necessary for them to learn now? Well, I always, I firmly believe that to be a really good production manager, you have to spend some time in the shop. If you understand really how things are built, you will do much better. I think that's the biggest thing. And then, of course, being able to use a computer and being good at math is also very helpful. Have you ever wanted to be a designer? Never. I'm not a creative bone in my body. <laughs> what do you have a sense of you've seen I mean how how do you know how many shows you've worked on? I keep saying No, I didn't I didn't add it up. It's but it's lot. not a hundred. It's a lot. Yeah. So and yeah. you've seen, interestingly enough, you're right in the theater for all those previews. Yeah. So you see shows from that very first preview to that opening night go through a tremendous amount of changes. Yeah. Can you now tell when a show is going to be a hit or not? No. I mean, every show I root for so much, I want it to succeed so much, I can't tell at all. <laughs> and I can attest to that. You So on every single one of my shows, you just have the biggest smile on your face behind your tech table yeah. as you watch. But what... Even though you may not be able to tell what's a hit or not, and who can in this business, right? You obviously watch creative people work during this process. So what, who do you think or what skills do you think a successful director or producer needs to have during that very tenuous period in order to make a show better? The, um, the directors that I find, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, but the directors that I, th I think are the best, are the ones that like are not in love with anything. They'll just, they make big changes like from day one. Those are the ones like you see, you see that they see there's a problem and they're, and they're going to, they're going to try to fix it. Those are the, that's when I see that, then I have even more hope for the show, I guess. But the indecision is that the... It's not a decision. It's like digging in your heels, like not willing to uh, change things, you know. And I, I don't necessarily know when something's not landing, but I think other people know. And when they say, this isn't working, some directors won't change it for whatever reason. Or they can't get the, or they can't get the creative, the uh, writers to change it. So I have seen where directors have issues with the create with the writers that they, you know, they want something to be changed and they're ha they have trouble finding that change. I want to go back to the technical elements for a second. I remember I don't know maybe ten maybe it's more years ago now where lighting designers and everybody production managers used to say like the LED is going to change everything like <laughs> just wait. What's the next thing? What are you hearing, seeing in other... Because I assume that we're, we get things a little bit late, right? So the newest technology or in industrials or movies or whatever. What is the thing that you think we're going to get next? Or where do you think technology is going? I don't know. We keep, we keep looking at these, you know, wireless control of scenery. 
which has been done successfully occasionally. Give us an example and of what that is. Right now, when we have to bring scenery on stage, a lot of times we say we need deck tracks, and we have to put the scenery in the track, and we track it on and off. This would be no deck tracks. So it's been done, and we use wireless control sometimes, but it's not to the point where a designer doesn't have to ever put deck tracks on the deck. And when you do that, when you have no tracks, then everything can go everywhere, which in some ways is like terrifying because how do you control the environment? Like how do you, how do you come up with like what you're going to do actually? But it's the wireless technology is just really difficult in the theater. And I think part of it is because we're in New York city on Broadway, which is, you know, I like to say the center of the universe and there is a lot of wireless stuff out there. So being able to get your own uh, frequencies in the theater is very difficult. That was, were you on Groundhog Day? No. That was a problem I, from what I heard on Groundhog Day with that revolve, there was a lot of wireless issues. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> uh, anything else you see coming down the line or what you imagine shows will look like 20 years from now? Like if you, during your retirement age, you come back 20 years from now, what do you think is going to be on the set? of the I don't know. I mean, I hope there's not a lot. A lot more projection and video, like I like actual scenery. You like? Yeah, I do. I think it's. I think it's. Um, what's different about Broadway than going to watch a movie? Um. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know what else. I. It's true. I've lived through all of this. I lived through, you know, a lot. Like when I started, most shows had mostly conventional lights, and now they have mostly moving lights so but i didn't see that coming (laughs) all right my last question which is my genie question i want you to imagine the genie from aladdin comes to visit you and thanks you for your contribution to the theater by granting you one wish what's the one thing that you wish you could change about the industry what's the one thing that makes you so angry gets you frustrated has you throwing the snacks off the tech table at people just like god if only this would be different well it's kind of, it's that's a hard question i mean my i guess what i would want the genie to do is when people are arguing or yelling for the genie to come over and say hey look we're all working on the same show together this is like a together thing it's not about you know somebody slighting another person it's actually let's get together and solve the problem together that's a not the answer i expected to get from a production manager but it's why i hire you all the time <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here today thanks to all of you for listening out there we will see you next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.